Hello everyone and welcome. This is Marcus from Gen Con TV and we are back with a new episode of Fireside with Peter Adkisson where the founder of Wizards of the Coast himself takes us on a trip through the untold history of Dungeons and Dragons with special guests from the game's illustrious past. In today's episode, Peter is joined by the founder of Lone Shark Games, Mike Selinger. So without further ado, we'll drop you right into the conversation. In addition to serving as the creative director for Dungeons and Dragons, our guest is a puzzle maker, has published uh, puzzles for New York Times and Chicago Tribune. He is a game designer with such titles as Betrayal, House on the Hill, Axes and Allies, Risk, the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, and one of my favorites, Lords of Vegas. And he is an entrepreneur, founder, and chief creative officer at Lone Shark Games. Mike Selinker, thank you for joining us today. Hello. I'm excited that you just gave me credit for designing Risk. Well, it's Risk. I, you know, I didn't get the full title. It was Risk, uh, what was it? Godstorm. Risk, uh, Godstorm. God, Godspell? Yeah, I, way back in 1954, <laughs> I thought, hmm, what if people could take armies and fight each other? I know. I get the same thing like with Gen Con. Somebody will say, hey, you founded Gen Con. Go, <laughs> you founded Gen yeah. Con. Yes. Yeah, let's see. I was born in 1961. The first Gen Con was 1967. So I was six years old. Entrepreneur. Peter <laughs> Entrepreneur Atkinson. right from the beginning. No, of course not. Anybody listening, don't be confused. Gary Gygax started Gen Con several years before he published Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it was a war game before role playing existed, before magic, card game, well, trading card games. It was a war game. That's show. not true. It's not, I mean, there was Stratomatic Baseball. It's not a trading card game. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I, I, I did amend from card game to trading card game really quickly there. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And sure. trading card game would capitalize TM. Patentable. <laughs> it's patentable. It's not that. Okay. <laughs> Let us not rob any glory from our dear friend, Mr. Certainly. Garfield, the good Certainly. doctor. Certainly yes, not. yes, yes. All right, Mike, uh, we uh, on this show, you know, we, uh, well, this is all about you. Uh, let's start with. Where were you born and raised? Like, where are you this, from? This city uh, right here, Seattle, Washington. Oh, um, Seattle. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an original. Yeah. I, uh, I um, was, you know, I grew up on Capitol Hill. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, my... Um, Have you of, always lived in Seattle? I mean, did you ever move away for a while? No, I moved away. Well, that's that's how I got it. I mean, so, so yeah. Am I jumping, I mean, am I jumping ahead? story here yeah no so so first the first the glaciers cooled uh and then no uh so no um i was born here i i went to you know whatever school here and such but um i <laughs> whatever got school you don't remember yeah, yeah. One. garfield high school thank you very much oh, really? um and uh but the important thing is that i was given uh, a copy of the, the dungeons and dragons specifically this copy of Dungeons and Dragons. That's the same one that I learned from. That's right. That, yeah. Yes, the blue cover with the Quasquaton dungeon, I think, was inside. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Something I like don't that. Know. With, with all these magical pools and everything like that. Yeah, that sounds right. I yeah, guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I remember learning the words gelatinous cube from this yes. this book, and and you know I was hooked. Right. So so yeah. So uh, I was given this uh, by my mom's boyfriend. Who okay. didn't know quite what it was, but thought I would able to be able to figure it out. And, and about when was that? This was nineteen seventy nine. Oh, same year I got into it. You and I yeah. are both late. We were you, we were both latecomers, weren't we? That's, 
I, I guess, well, we weren't from the Midwest, right? Yeah. I mean, like That's in the true. Midwest, That's you true. got it, you got it two years earlier, right? I mean, right. They, they, right. And, and by the way, <laughs> in this world of Amazon and, and stuff like that, people probably don't understand why I think geogra geography might matter. It literally was because the people who published the game would only drive so far to drop <laughs> off copies to game stores, you know, hobby stores right. that mostly sold model trains, right? right. And right. they, they wouldn't drive out to Seattle. No. Right? <laughs> Crazy talk. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, okay. Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons fact, Dragons didn't get on a plane until 1979. Fat tech. There were trucks and delivery service. Yeah. Okay, okay. No, they really, I mean, for a while, they were doing it out of their, you know. Out of well, but yeah, and. And and the games, you know, uh, you know, I bought my Dungeons and Dragons at a model train store. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so you were a fan of D and D from 1978. Yeah, about that. So, um, yeah, oh, by the way, I got my got my Gen Con. Oh now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. By the way, I got to ask you because uh, I didn't last time. Uh, this this logo here. Yeah. Right. This yeah. Chaldea. Yeah. What what is this character? Because uh, that's like a th in Greek, <laughs> or something. Oh, it's the e in Chaldea. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, sure. Uh -huh. Anyway, <laughs> totally with you. Anyway, uh, so so yeah, so I um uh I did that. I I played the game. I had um, this is going back. So I had a yeah. basement. Uh, it was kind of weird. So I lived in a house, and I lived in the basement. Now that sounds really dark, right? But. Yeah. But what it meant was I had this sort of little three-room apartment of my own. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I had, so I had a little bedroom. I had my music room. And then I had this sort of big room with a big table in it. And at the chair, at the end of the table, I had two airplane chairs. Right? Airplane, yeah, okay. Yeah, so they were airplane, airplane chairs, chairs yes. blue airplane yeah. chairs. You right, know, they right, even right. had the the uh, cigarette holders, or you know, the ashtrays and stuff. And so, right. and and I would sit in this. And you have to remember that I'm like twelve, right? Right. But I'm sitting in these chairs, and my friends are like around this really large table, um, and we're like playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I mean, we felt for the first time in our lives that we were like, you know, powerful people. Right. Right. We're right. adults, we, you know, whatever. And so, so yeah, I ran, I ran that game, uh, uh, for my friends. Um, I, I, uh, and very quickly I said, I looked at it and I went, you know, this is good, but I could write this. <laughs> yeah. That, that was the, that was the thing about D and D that, that it, it inspired so many of us to yeah. to want to add to it you know why or, or, or I change it, it i hate <laughs> to say this because uh, you know i the gary gygax was a good friend of mine um you know we did a lot of things together but right. i'm gonna say this, it may not have been the most well-written thing yeah because <laughs> because people like me at age 13 could imagine themselves doing it like if he had like written it you know and it was unapproachably difficult to write material like that maybe we wouldn't have found it so inspiring i, I yeah i think there was a lot of like oh this is great but i gotta fix it 
I got to do it. Yeah, I got I got to be the person, right? I got to right, make my own right. version of it. And yeah, so, and I th- it started. I but I think that also came out of wargaming and uh, so much of what yeah. role playing was the idea that you're the dungeon master and that you can uh, that you are empowered by the game to do exactly that. It changed your frame of mind. It changed Absolutely. your mindset from uh from playing a game where there's a board and there's pieces and you follow the rules to a game where you make up your own rules oh i get to make up my own rules well okay let's start here i'm gonna make up a whole bunch of rules and they gave you a place to do it which was kind of interesting so like back then dungeon magazine i'm sorry dragon magazine um polyhedron later dungeon magazine uh uh and there were also other publications like white dwarf and, and things like that if you had something to write they were desperate yeah. to get it right so yeah. So, so how does this lead into you having you know, having a career in this well, business? Well, I mean, basically, I put myself through college doing it, um, doing writing. Uh, so, I wrote various uh, things for the um, for Dragon and for the RPGA, and uh, you know, I got. Um, so, so what did you do? Did you just write? Did you just write in and say, yeah. "Hey, I got this article." No, that's for what I'm saying. And, is I, and, yeah. I, I just did it i was like i was 15 years old yeah and i just went you know i can do this and i wrote i think the first thing i did was a like maybe a crossword puzzle but pretty quickly thereafter i was writing full uh full modules full adventure modules um i did a bunch for polyhedron uh i did a bunch for dragon um i think i did the last the very last adventure that was in dragon magazine before dungeon launched and then i was in like the so, first couple so of dungeon if you were in college and you started with 12 so you were this was probably in the late 80s by the time you were yeah done. so like uh, yeah. i left high school I, I moved to chicago which was also it wasn't planned but it was incredibly uh uh fortunate that i moved to chicago for college because I then got to play in the campaigns of everybody. I would go to Lake Geneva um, because it was just a little bus ride away. And I played in Skip Williams's campaign and Penny Penny Menser's campaign and with John Pickens and with, with, uh, I played with Gary Gygax. I played with, I played with everybody, right? And so, and at the time I was just sort of this, you know, I was a kid, right? Was, right. At this point, I was 18. Um, but I already knew that I could, like, I already had the bona fides of having been published by these people. So, oh, my God. So they, I, I, I'm feeling embarrassed that my initial email was to you was like, Mike, I, I feel like maybe you've done something with D&D, but I'm not <laughs> sure. Should, should you be on my show yeah, yeah. talking about I, D&D? I, I, and you're I, like, you stupid I, idiot, Peter. <laughs> I don't think I said that. <laughs> I, I rather very, this wasn't the nice. time. This wasn't the time I said that. Yeah, this not this time. Right, right. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm getting it confused with all those other times. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I mean we did work together after all. <laughs> That's so, right. Um, so 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 you got to play with all those guys back yeah. in the day. You know, Skip, by the way, Skip Williams is gonna be my guest next week. Oh, and, and you cannot do better. Uh the sage himself. Oh, right? I love Skip. I love yeah. Skip. He's just calm, mellow. He's the, he's the best. He's a he's a good guy. Yeah, he's the best. So so yeah. So I did that. Um, and you put I, yourself through college writing adventure models. Yes, for adventures. Um, pretty much. I had no idea you went to college. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know how uh, 
there's one of my favorite jokes is, um, do you know how um, you know if somebody went to Northwestern University? They'll tell you. They'll tell you. I just told you. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, yeah, I, um, uh, I, I did that. I, I, I was a full-time journalist, but, uh, and I, I did a lot of serious reporting and, and, and uh, work on things like hate crime legislation and, and all sorts of things like that. Like I did real serious stuff, but the more serious stuff I did, the more Dungeons and Dragons I wanted to write. Yeah, yeah. Right, because the more I wanted to be like, you know, in my spare hours, I'm like this. And then you called, right? I mean, so, so I did, I did all sorts of things freelance for a while. The first, um, uh, I managed to grab a ton of my stuff from downstairs. The first thing I did freelance, I think, was sorry, the first sort of thing I remember being in is this. It's called the Port of Ravens Bluff. Tilt that, you're going to glare. Tilt it slightly forward. There you, yeah, go. There you go. Okay, perfect. So the Port, Port of Port Raven's of Bluff, Raven's was, Bluff. Like, was a Forgotten Realms accessory. And yeah. they're like, do you want to be in a a, a, um, a published accessory? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, sure. And then they started asking me to be, you know, contribute to a whole bunch of others. Um, so I did that for a while. Um, I also, you know, started to design board games and things like that, but didn't really have an outlet for it um now, now and, and before we get to the my call so um i i don't want to divert from dnd too much but sure. you're probably you know one thing that's very interesting about you especially vis-a-vis -vis other game designers is that you're also a puzzle guy and yeah. you've done you've had puzzles published like new york times chicago tribune how, how did that happen like just well, briefly, actually happened, like, it might have even happened first because you know um when you're talking about doing something like a dungeon module, it's a big thing. It's a multi-month process of thinking it out and playing it. And and there's not very many slots for it uh, in whatever needs to be published. So it was a big deal to do that. But you can knock out a puzzle. I can knock out a puzzle in a, you know, in a half a day. And so I started making crossword puzzles and things like that when I was 13. And I sent them into the New York Times and the Games Magazine and stuff like that. And they started publishing them immediately. And they didn't ask how wow. old I was. And I, and no, like, it, it, you were 13 when you got your first puzzle published? I think I, yeah. I might have been, I think I might have tried a little bit first. So I'm going to guess I was actually maybe 14, 14 or 15. Something like that. Uh, like I think I had some rejection along yeah, the way yeah, right yeah. because i had to get better at it but, it's before they before they discovered will shorts right and had uh will shorts <laughs> was the first person to actually publish my stuff are you serious yeah he was he was like 20 was he a nice is it was he a nice guy i guess i gotta ask at that point think. yeah i mean he's always been a nice guy but yeah i mean he was he was he was great he uh Good. he and and those people um the the sort of you know the gary guy X's of D D that the the equivalents are, are 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 Will Shorts and Mike Shank and and uh, Emily Cox and Henry Rathbone on the puzzle side, and they they all just nurtured me once they figured out I was a kid, which didn't take long because they could read my letters and they were like, <laughs> I don't know, wait, hold on, how old are you really? <laughs> and I was like, written in oh, written in 20, pencil. <laughs> I'm twenty. I'm twenty eight. Yeah, uh -huh. right. Sure. <laughs> Okay, right. okay, that's great. Okay, well, I just had to ask that. Let's let's no, no, it's fine. Go, go back. So, but we'll but that was the way I got in. But that was the way yeah. I got into Dragon, too. Right. Well, I mean, was... that's really interesting. I mean, it's almost like the Mark Rosewater story, right? I mean, he. Yeah, I, I mean, there was more to it, but he started writing those puzzles for the Duelist, yeah. for Magic: The Gathering, and 
pretty soon and that's how he yeah because he, he's filling this niche that people go for the thing of writing an adventure novel or adventure right they go for the big thing but, but uh like you know go for something that nobody else has thought of that's good and also you can do a lot of them which is kind of nice because it's like the new york times needs 365 and a quarter puzzles every year right Right. and so you know i mean your odds are pretty good that if your puzzle is good you can get it in right and so anyway that was true about the the adventures on the D side as well and i just i just kept doing it i just kept so who, who were you um who did you work when you were doing that uh, not to dwell on this too long but oh, um uh we when you were sending in uh stuff to tsr let's say um who were who was answering your mail who were you talking to on the other uh the first person um oh um probably was frank menser okay yeah maybe maybe penny now sure. Penny Williams, previously Penny Menser. Um, yeah. uh, soon after that, it was Gene Raby, uh, yep. who's another uh-huh. wonderful human being. Uh, yep. These are also, there's something kind of important about these people too, in that they're incredibly nurturing people. Right, right. right. No, they, weren't, I, they weren't jerks, right? They, this has go, been a, a recurring theme, Mike, yeah. uh, in interviewing um, any of the people that came out from TSR to Wizard of the Coast, uh, Monty Cook, um, mm-hmm. Bruce Cordell, uh, you know, Sean Reynolds, uh, everybody I've had on the show from, from who came out from Lake Geneva has said the same thing that, you know, the, the horror stories you hear about TSR were all the upper management people yes. that, you know, and not, and that, that probably contributed. I think they, they've speculated, not my, not my opinion, they've speculated that that contributed to a very tight knit uh, feeling of camaraderie amongst the staff and a nurturing, yeah. like like we're all in this together. We got right. Together. I I never saw that level. I mean, I knew all those people. I knew the people who were at the top level. Um, I knew Jim Ward. I knew all those folks, but I never saw it um, because I was dealing with the the rank and file on a daily basis, and right. yeah. and so uh, I just really came. And we were playing games together all the time, and so it just wasn't going to be difficult. Right. Right, uh, right. And then, you know, um, when I had to start actually paying bills, um, I, I suddenly was like, you know, I'm doing full-time job. I'm doing, uh, I worked for the city of Chicago for a while for mayor daily. Um, I did, uh, I did, you know, a lot of, a lot of serious journalism stuff and, and I'm real proud of that. I won a bunch of awards. Oh, that's great. And then I just was like, man, this is hard. And I see the arc of what a journalist in Chicago looks like when they're 45, right? And they're like, they all smoke cigars and they're all like drinking under the table. I'm like, I don't want this for myself. And so I I want to drink. I want my drink right here on the table. I want a Gary Gygax skull mug is what I want. <laughs> uh, so, uh, which I now have, thanks to Luke Craig. But, uh, but uh, that's a different story. But, um, uh, although I could tell the story when I met Gary Gygax, if you want that. Story. Yes, of course. Tell the okay. story when you met All right, Larry, I'll tell that. Uh, Gary I'll, I'll try, Gygax. There are longer versions <laughs> of this story online. So, so if you like it, if you want to hear the whole story, go 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 look up vodka skull mug on the internet but but basically 
um, I was one of the young writers of Dungeons and Dragons. So at this point, I'm successful at this. Um, and I'm just getting ready to go out to Chicago. I'm 17 years old. And they fly me out for a young writers conference at which I meet Lisa Stevens. Um, and so um, we go out there and I'm sitting at the table. Uh, Penny is welcome to see and it's eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's a very long table in a conference room. And, uh, and I'm sitting, uh, if this is the head of the table, I'm sitting right here, right next to the head of the table, right? And, the, and, and this is at the TSR office? At the Lake TSR Lake. office, yeah. We've the old driven, Q-tip factory. Yeah, yep. sorry. So we've been driven to Lake Geneva, we sit there, you know, the first thing is, and Penny says, uh, so the first thing we're gonna do, young writers, is um, uh, have Gary Gygax talk to you. And the door swings open like a saloon door in a uh, Western. And, you know, and this burly man comes through. Gary Gygax, you know, we think of him maybe from his later photos, but at the time he was a giant. And he bursts through the door and he goes, young writers, let me tell you about uh, how to write the greatest stories ever told. And he sits down, this is eight o'clock in the morning, sits down, slams a vodka skull mug on the table. I mean that by, it's a skull mug. And I realize it's not filled with water, it's filled with vodka. And I'm like, that's what I wanna be when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, because he wasn't drinking under the table. No, I know. On top of the this table. This was an industry where you could drink on the table at eight o'clock in the morning. And I was like, yeah, that's me. Oh my God. And so, so we became fast friends from that. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and, that's a great, and, that's a great story. Yeah. So there's a longer version of it, which is probably yeah, funny. Yeah. Right. But, but anyway, so yeah, so I got to meet all these people and, and I never wanted to work in Lake Geneva. That's really important. I just was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a city kid. I want to be in Chicago. I want to be in Seattle. That's it. I don't want to be in some podunk town in Wisconsin. That's not yeah. me. Um, so flash forward to 19, uh, what is it? 95. Um, you call. Um, yeah. So yeah. you're thinking Dungeons and Dragons is neat. I want one. And, <laughs> and so, so you're like, you know pretty you, much it yeah that's exactly much so, it yeah so you you flew me and a few other people out uh and we met for the first time and you pitched me on this vision of of creating a uh you know a, a a company where um there were rpg designers and card game designers and they worked really closely together and there were events team designers and and that it was instead of like you know uh this siloed operation you know there was all sorts of free flowing and i'm like oh man this sounds pretty good yeah so okay not all of it came true but okay well the, the time, <laughs> there was there were some people some people uh some parts of it came true um, yeah good, enough of good. it how about how about enough of it came true um, I'll take that. I'll yeah, take that. Enough of it came true. Yeah. You weren't lying. Yeah. Right. Um, so, right. <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, you know, so we get out there, I start making all sorts of things. I start working on both RPGs and card games. And, guys... and, and we, by the way, you came with uh, yeah. Tailwind, so, right? So Tailwind Woodruff, Tim and, Beach, Wolfgang Bauer. And okay. Tim Beach. We were, yeah. we were a, a tightly knit unit. Right. Um, and we weren't going to get broken up. We were either going to come as a group or we weren't going to come. 
Right. Uh, that was a, possibly one of the weirdest interviews I can imagine you've ever been in, where you're like, <laughs> see this wall of people in front of you, and are like, well, if you want one of us, you want all of us, or you get none of us. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I remember that, and I respected that. Like, I was like, okay, these guys. Um, first of all, what I liked about it was like, okay, these people, these four people, like each other well enough that they're willing to, you know, be, you know, brinksmanship a little bit. To, yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, to to stand by this idea and uh, you know, what kind of a jerk would I be if I tried to, to break it up? And, but that means that they believe that they work together really well yeah. and I mean, complement each other. Well, and, yeah. and you know, you always worry about how people will fit into a team. If you hire somebody one off. Right. Right. So we just brought yeah. the team. Yeah. Um, and then we got to work with a person who I'm sure you, if you haven't had on here, I'm sure you have, will, uh, which is Jonathan tweet. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I have to admit, Jonathan was the first person. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one, so, one of the one of the first people I, uh, I yes. reached out. So to. I mean, um, so Jonathan's my favorite game designer in the world. Um, just simply the best I, I have it, ever met. I would have to loop him, lump him uh, with Scaff and Richard. But yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, I love yeah, I love yeah. both those guys. Yep. I love both those guys. But I mean, if I have to like, if we're, if we're building a Mount Rushmore, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll put four people on there. If we're yeah, building yeah, yeah. a Mount Rushmore with one head, it's Jonathan Tweet. Right, right. Also, don't build Mount Rushmore with one head. That's that's gross and fascist. Um, so, um, so anyway, the, um, that would be the beginnings of a totalitarian game. Yeah, that's, state. that's terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> yes, so, yes. Um, so, uh, but um, but no, Jonathan. I was like, I get to work with this guy, right? And he wasn't right. this guy yet, but I knew it when I met him, right? And I was just like you and I were going to do some things together. And, and we did like, we made some really good stuff together. And right. so um, I got to work, but simultaneously I got to work with Richard very closely. I got to work with Scaff, obviously I got to work with the rest of the magic team, um, you know, Jim Lynn. And and, and, and so what, what did you work on? Let's, let's talk yeah. about what you worked on before it became D before you right. started working on D. &D. Uh, well, the first thing we did Bri was briefly, and then we'll get yeah. to D. &D. First thing yeah. we did was try unsuccessfully to make a role-playing game out of magic together. One of many attempts at that process, um, which yeah. has only actually come to fruition in the last couple of years. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think they could have done more. Well, let's, I mean, yeah. it was a complicated, yeah. complex. Oh, Mike, you've war, stepped war. into it now. You have stepped into it. I, I, I've, at the risk of repeating uh, what I've said from uh, prior shows, um, yeah, it's one of my big regrets. Yeah. Of, well, of it's that, one of mine that, too. That, that, that we could not get, um, even after we had Dungeons and Dragons, you know, when it was clearly, clearly the right yeah. thing to do. Um, Nobody, hardly anybody agreed with us. You know? Well, you and I, yeah. So what we had was basically people who believed that working simultaneously with another group helped the other group more than it helped them. Yeah. And that uh, is a flaw in uh, maybe maybe in the, the, the selection of those people, right? Yeah. Um, but we were not able to make it happen. Uh, but it wasn't the only thing I was working on. I was also um, in helping with, uh, I helped do, I helped launch Netrunner. Um, I helped yeah. with um, uh, with uh, Battletech. 
Uh, other card games on, in that line uh, work very closely again with Richard, but also with some really good friends like Paul Peterson. Oh yes, uh, and uh, and and Sean Carnes, and just a great group, Glenn Elliott. Um, all great people. And so, uh, and then my team was the Black Lotus team, which was me, uh, Tim had moved on, but me and um, Tailwind and Wolf and Kids Johnson. Uh, right. And yes, Kids Johnson. I haven't and, heard her uh, name in a while. And we made, we were like this powerhouse storytelling team that could just go, yeah, okay, you need something, you need a world designed? Okay, we can do that by Thursday, right? And so right. we would do that. Um, and then uh, uh, you had the the idea that um, maybe uh, maybe maybe a less intrepid man would have done wouldn't have done. But you said, you know, I'll bet I can go get Dungeons and Dragons with this group. And uh, and I was like, you can. <laughs> and, and I don't know how like. You and I talked a little bit about it, but it happened so fast um, that I, I I barely remember. So I remember that it, the, the news went down on April 1st, which was a terrible day to launch a big announcement uh, inside a company, right? So nobody I, I knew like it outside, that sort of thing. No, nobody knew it outside <laughs> the company, right? But my phone, so you and I had had some conversations about it and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Pete, it'll never happen, whatever. And I went back right. to work, right? Um, but then my phone blows up, uh, and I think the first call I got was from Dave Eckleberry, um, yeah. the co-writer yeah. of mine. TS, uh, TSR guy that we yeah, brought yeah, out, young yeah, guy at the He time. was like, Mike, I'm hearing things. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I think Peter's out there now. <laughs> <laughs> but he hasn't, like, you had just gotten, you had literally left the night before, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was like, yeah, he didn't tell me specifically that he was going to do this, but he didn't not tell me that either. Right. <laughs> right? So, so like you had sort of primed it, but you hadn't ever stated it directly. Yeah, that well, that Wizards was acquiring TSR. I mean, you have to. Yeah, you know, you're you're in this you're you end up in this um, phase where. You need to talk about it with people, right? Unofficially, you know, right? To start because you have to start making plans. Like, what here's, does this look like? And here's what I remember. All, all that, yeah. Please, here's what I remember. You asked me what it would be like to own TSR on a sort of structural level without ever saying you were doing it. Like you were just like hypothetically, Mike. Right. If you had to look at the the structure of TSR, what would you change? Right. Right. Like not not I need to think about what I'm going to do when I get TSR, but in a fantasy world, right? right? We're just right. talking. Right. We're just talking. We're just guys right. talking right. here. Right. If you had to like think about what you would change about TSR to avoid making the same mistakes again, what would you do? And I'm right. like, well, and I'm dumb enough to start just spewing this and not say why are you asking me this question <laughs> so anyway i i do figure it out at you're, this point you're much, you you're, yeah yeah you're much more suspicious now yeah, yeah exactly so <laughs> so when dave calls me i'm like yeah i think he's out there now and uh and so the thing goes down uh, as far as i know you and ryan are out there only 
well, the, well, the first few trips were just me uh, alone. Okay. Uh, but uh, Ryan, I mean, and then I brought in different people for different pieces yeah, yeah. of well, it. This was, uh, but this, this Ryan, your... I don't know, Ryan might have been on the first trip. It was uh, the first, he, um, it was definitely the first trip. And so, yeah, and yeah, because Ryan really brought me the deal, you know, yeah. this deal, you know, I, you know, <laughs> Ryan's a colorful character. We all we're going to talk movie. about him in a second. Yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, uh, you so, know, I, I will always owe Ryan a debt for bringing me the TSR deal. That's right. So, yeah. so anyway, so it goes down um, and you fly back. Um, and this is one of my favorite, con- I've had hundreds of conversations with you. This is my favorite conversation we've ever had. Um, so you fly back and you call me into your office like that day uh, or maybe the next day or whatever. And, and I said, so you did it. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, okay, I did it. Okay, great. All right. So who can't come? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know who is not allowed to come to this company, but I don't. Who can't come? And I'm like, oh, God. And literally, we went through every single employee in the building uh, that I knew. I didn't know everybody, but I knew. Yeah. 40. I knew like yeah. 40 people. Right. Uh, of, and right. you knew like 10 of them. Right. Right. And I was like, okay, we're going to go person by person. And we started with the really great ones, right? Let, let me tell you about Cindy Rice. Yeah. Right. Cindy you Rice, know. Skip Williams. Yeah. Let me, tell you about, yeah. let me tell you about yeah. Skip Williams. Yeah. Let me tell you about, right. And, uh, and we went through it like, and you're like, God, these people all sound great. I think this was a great. And then we started and it got darker and darker and darker as we went down the list. And I'm like, and then no, and then no, and then no. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you and I, together i'm sure you had many conversations like this i'm not saying i was the only one but but i remember in that conversation you took incredibly good notes and we and that version of the company the version that i would have if i were running tsr would still be there you literally brought into the door a month later Ooh, huh. glad this boy I'm glad this has a happy ending <laughs> yeah no i mean all the people all the people who came were gems yeah. Every yeah, single one. I, some of I them agree. had a, some of them had a harder time dealing with wizards culture than than sure. others. Right. Um Inevitable. but but uh they also had me to deal with. So that was the other element, right? Was that yeah. you said to me, I need you like I need you to to be part of this. I need you to to be in this division. Cause I'm like, you bring it out TSR, you it's a functional unit. What do you need me for? Like I don't know, man. I just know that this isn't going to be right if there isn't people who've been in the wizards culture as part of this organization. Yeah. I know you said that to Scaff and and a few other people, right? And some of us had, but so you pulled me out of the card game side, uh, and the only way you got me to say yes was you gave me Spider Man. So they had the <laughs> they had the the Marvel license. Right, because I'd done Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, but we have Spider-Man, and you you could be in charge of that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm in. And so, so I came over. Um, <laughs> and then once you were in, we dropped it, right? Is yeah, but, well, but I, that, that took a little longer than that. That okay, sentence. Yeah. We 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 I worked on that game for like two years, but we produced the Marvel superheroes adventure game, and it was great, and right. everybody loved it. I got so many good stories out of that. And but but the but really quickly, um, I became. Uh, a very different voice, I think, than I was on the card game side. So on the card game side, 
I was the guy who understood story, right? Uh, I could design right. cards. Uh, um, I wasn't the best card game designer. I mean, I was I was good, but I wasn't like, you know. Well, you had you had really tough competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't I mean. Charlie Catino, right? <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't Bill Rose. Yeah. I wasn't Mark right. Rosewater, right? I was I was good. I could do I could hold my own, but not at their level, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, but I understood story better than they did. And so they could they could go okay well, so this is what we want to do what happens I'm like oh this happens right and so and I also kind of was one of the guys who really nailed flavor text and I could sort of do that so so okay I'm doing that right um, and that's my role over there and then you pull me over to um, to the R uh, to the RPG side and all of a sudden I'm the math guy <laughs> I'm the guy <laughs> who understands like everybody else is like. I guess probability works like this. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and I'm like, first thing we're going to do is like, we have the first, first meeting and I say, so what do you want to do? Right. On, on third edition Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I say, well, if you do nothing but make armor class go the other direction, you have done the Lord's work. That was my first <laughs> sentence to the TSR team. And they were like, we like you, you get to stay. And so... You're you, you know this this topic of of um merging the cultures of wizards and tsr yeah. and um and it was one of the most complex sort of social things i had to do in terms of trying to to watch my words and be careful what i said and still communicate a point which was this idea that i felt that um what i felt i'm going to say this fact the wizards r and d team was incredibly good at hardcore technical game design and but not at story and mm -hmm. the tsr group was the opposite mm -hmm. and well and the tsr group knew dnd &D and knew the dnd &D customer base really well and and uh, knew a lot about publishing dungeons and dragons and, and campaign settings but they weren't the best uh, technical game designers and so mm -hmm. trying to kind of gently figure out how to say that without saying it and and figure out how to try and address the issues structurally um uh was uh, a challenge but i think we did it you know this might be the first time that anyone has referred to putting me into a situation as gentle <laughs> <laughs> but well but, it's it's gentle but, it's gentle as compared to how you how one could approach right. these topics. Exactly. Right. I right. Mean, well, I mean, you you know, it's like, yeah. you know, the, the other example is putting Jonathan Tweet on the third edition design team and then yeah. eventually having him run the design team. That's, That's right. not a gentle move, but it's a structural move. Right. But you do it with kindness and with, you know, come on, guys, let's you know well, let's, yeah. let's, let's I think, let's, I think, let's, I think the, you know what what better come you know, yeah. You can't do better than I mean see, here's the thing. We uh, when I came in, I was the guy who probably could handle the hardcore math of it better than anybody, but I wasn't alone. Jonathan could do it. Monty could do it. They, you know, they, they, there were people who could handle it and, and we needed like organizing principles. And so, um, you know, I, I took on the position, um, that you know the the there's a hippocratic way to redo to reboot dungeons and dragons right which is we do no harm 
We, we change what we need to change to make it like we produced it today, but people will recognize everything in it um, from second edition. You know, we'll put the demons back in, but whatever. It'll, it'll basically be a, 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 a soft reboot, right? right? And then there's another position, which I articulated, which was the, um, the you know, a much more brutalist approach, which was, we're going to say that Dungeons and Dragons is a great game and not look at it again. We're going to design the game from the point of, we all know how to play it, but it's over there. Right. And we're gonna redo it from scratch. And I felt that, you know, we had these, we had a fairly big team um, that I was, since I wasn't the person who had to do it, um, since Monty and Jonathan and, and Skip were gonna actually write it, that I could say stuff like that and not have a stake in it. Yeah. Whereas they would have, you know, especially when Scaff was on the team, uh, they they would have really serious fights over yeah. over these things, and I could, for want of a better term, I could just sort of say, well, here's the outcome of that taken if you actually do it, and here's the outcome of this if you actually do it, and neither of them are wrong, but we should have organizing principles. And so that's when Bill Slavisek gave me the um, control of, uh, he made me the creative director of the introductory product line. Um, right. So that's this set. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that product. Fantastic product, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, and Ed Stark was the person who started it, and Andy Collins. Like, I we I don't want to paint myself as being essential to this project. What I want to say is that I was, uh, I had a, I had a bit of a hand on a t part of the tiller. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. That's a better way to yeah. phrase it. It's like there were some really strong egos in the room. They were all trying to do things to make the product line better, and I could say, okay, okay, but over here and right. so um so i and for for whatever reason that was the the thing that people thought was the most one of the more important things was how are we going to introduce people to this so um uh one of the things we instituted that tsr had never done that i'm aware of anyway i could be wrong um is focus group testing now focus group mm -hmm. testing is not necessarily all the sexiest thing in the world but but I just wanted to see, uh, Jonathan especially and I wanted to see what it looked like when we put these things into practice in front of people who weren't 28 year old, 35 year old game designers. Because for some right. reason, there was a culture of, if we like it, it's great. Right. And I was like, that is not how game design works. You are not you are not buying all of your product. If you can commit to buying fifty thousand of these tomorrow, then you get to vote. But right, right. the customers get to vote with their money, and I'm gonna make a game for them. And so, um, so we we one of my favorite focus group tests we ever did was this first test of that box where um, we had some kids come in, and there's a unicorn in the um, in the thing, and it's asleep. And so in a dungeon room, and you're like, okay, well, what do we do? And the kids walk in, okay, well, I want to wake up the unicorn. Okay, well, 
what do you want to do to wake up the unicorn? Well, I, 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 I pat it and it doesn't wake up. Well, I talk to it. Well, it doesn't wake up. I stab it with my sword and behind the glass, everybody's jaw drops and went, what? <laughs> and the person running the game says, well, that doesn't work either. And they go, okay, well then um, I look around the room and I go, oh, holy cow, they're button mashing. They're basically just taking their Xbox controller and oh, <laughs> right, and just right, hitting right. it to see what, what pops up, right? right? And eventually they find the chalice in the room with the potion that gets the unicorn to wake up. But it didn't matter. The dungeon master who was running it, who wasn't a professional game designer at all, knew better than to describe the gout of blood that would fly out of the unicorn's throat when it was stabbed by the kid, right? Right, Instead, right. they just went with whatever the kids wanted to do. And right. we had a number of people behind us and I was like, this, this is how you do game design. And okay. so I think that that's that culture that, that Jonathan and, and a number of us tried to implement of no, seriously, you don't just write it down and then play it with your friends once. You, right. you put it through the paces really made for the greatest RPG release of all time. Um, I got something out of it that I don't think a lot of people have seen. Um, so we made you know, what I think is the most, the best-selling RPG product ever, maybe? Well, I, I don't, I think that was true for a while. At least um, at the I, time. Yeah, I think that now the franchise is bigger, Wizards is bigger. Yeah, maybe. So I'm sure fifth edition is. But here's something that but, doesn't uh, exist but, on most copies. I don't know if you can see this. That's Mike my Sully. name. Uh, I got a gold embossed version of the book with my name on it. Right? So even if I forget I was there, this book is going to remind me for the rest of my life that I was part of a pretty amazing team that made an excellent RPG. That's and awesome. I was really proud That's to awesome. be a part of it. That's so. awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, I want to go back. We have a, 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 a person, Lefko Scott, who's been saying some really nice, kind things about our show on, on oh, chat. Oh, I have not and, been looking and, at chat. And, I'm and, sorry. Well, that's okay. That's my job. I, I, I talk to you and look at this at the same time without anybody noticing, but you can't really sure. do that. Uh, so um, uh, he going clear back to the magic and D&D or magic and RPG uh, combo, he, he mentioned um, that he was, it was mystifying that, that it took 20 years um, for, for this to happen. And I thought I would just add one comment about that period. Cause I mean, we never really explained why it didn't happen. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think fundamentally at the end of the day, it was that, and I don't want to paint sort of wizards at the time as, as being too siloed and it, there being a lot of antagonism. I, it wasn't, it was just a, a tiny bit of that. It was a, that really at the end of the day, the magic team didn't want to have, a D and D magic supplement, and the D and D team didn't really want to have a Magic Gathering D and D supplement, right? There, there was. I'm gonna tell uh, you what. I'm gonna give you my answer to the question. And yeah, I don't, I don't care who knows it. The reason yeah. it didn't happen was because there wasn't enough women in the room. Oh. There was a bunch of rutting male, uh, you know, of uh, both game designers and brand managers who were too caught up in themselves to uh, to ever let uh, someone else succeed on their watch. Hmm. And yeah. if you'd had a more, if, I say you, but if we'd yeah. had a more diverse group of 
um, creatives on and, and and brand people on both sides, I think we would have rammed that that project. Through. Yeah, but I think our answers are complementary. You're you're saying why is because yeah. uh, lack of diversity or some stubbornness and um and and I I yeah. you know I, I I remember somebody from the Magic team coming up and saying well. These are the Magic the Gathering brand values, you know, and you know it's that lottery ticket feeling, and et cetera, et cetera, and um, and you know, D and D is just not that. And um, know, like, sometimes uh, when you just make ten, sometimes making ten million dollars is enough, yeah. right? I mean, sometimes yeah, so. just making the thing that everybody buys is enough. Yeah, and yeah, the, it's all right. I, I'm not. I, I, I'm only. It's like it's like I'm not bitter about it. It's just like I'm not uh, bitter like, about it either. But it's like, oh man, I'm so wanted that project to happen. And I, I remember conversations with you and with Scaff and Jonathan about what we could do and and how it would be so much fun. And I oh, think that oh, you know, I think that the people making the D and D brand decisions were not Magic players, and the people making the Magic brand decisions were not D and D. And yeah. so you had a you, me, Scaff, Tailwin, uh, you know, a, a few a few people who really were that midsection right. of we yeah. like both these things. We like country and Western. And, um, and Richard, by the way, was in that group too. But it oh, was yeah. just well, that, Richard wasn't, but it, wasn't. It was, it was, there was a lot of, it, it was just there. It, it was at the management level. It was yeah. at the mid tier level that was like, that, that was just like, okay, this has been totally blocked, you know? So, yeah. Oh, well, I, I think hey, we tried awesome. it. And, 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 you know, it might have, in fairness, it might have been the wrong time to do that because there were fears mm -hmm. at that time that D and D was going to become like Magic the Gathering and Magic or, you know, or that, that, there was one of the concerns about Wizards acquiring TSR was that we were going to make it some sort of collectible. Right. We were, That's you know, right. There, that we would, that there, that we would, there were some fears that were uh, legitimate fears that we would not have done, but it might have been the wrong time. But, so, I don't know. Hey, we spent I, a lot of time. We spent a lot of time getting incredibly pricey licenses for Dungeons and Dragons, all of which I made. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> But it, the license that would have been cheapest to get was the one across the hall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I feel like that. I feel like, but anyway, you know, like I said, I'm not, I, 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 I don't think back and say, I wish I had succeeded in that element of my career. I right. think of it more like that was the way I got to work with all of these really cool people and they wanted to keep working with me because I had shown a lot of skill on that project. Um, and so it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's, it's a speed bump, right? right. It's, right. it's, it's, it's not something. Now the Harry Potter RPG that I feel very personally offended about when we did a, we did a version of Dungeons and Dragons for Harry Potter that would have killed. And, uh, and you know Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling weren't given. Well, it's not important why it didn't happen. The important thing is that it didn't happen, and that would have that I actually resent because that was a personal project of mine. Right. Um, so, but so before we wrap, before we go to kind of the yeah. end segment, I, I want to ask you one one sort of question, uh, sort of one of these uh, esoteric sort of touchy feely questions. Uh, and when you think back at your on your time working with Dungeons and Dragons. What what have you taken with you from that period? Well, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is the most powerful influence on me, other than my parents. 
without any question. Like, uh, I'm a storyteller. I'm a, um, I'm a, I'm a public speaker uh, because of it. I'm a, um, uh, I, I know how to run. I know how to understand people better because of it. I'm probably a really good poker player because of it. Like it's affected every aspect of my life. And so, um, and the fact that Dungeons and Dragons is now cool means that I was also kind of willing to do something that turns out to be a pretty good life choice as well. I think it's, isn't it cool that D&D is cool now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that um, it's actually kind of in a post-cool phase. Like now it's just part of the culture like for a while so it was like that that's what really what i meant i i yeah. isn't it isn't it cool that D is part of american culture now yeah, right exactly like yeah, i think they, i think when we put out when we put out third edition it started getting cool again yeah but then it just sort of became like settlers of Catan <laughs> or or games like that where it's just like yeah that's those are games people play you know like dungeons and dragons and no, like you can say that sentence completely flatly now, and right. nobody, yeah. nobody even blinks. So yeah, I, I think it's been, um, for me, it's been a really good ride. I've continued since I left Wizards in two thousand three. Um, we helped launch uh, Acquisitions Inc. We did all the set design for that. In fact, my favorite thing that I ever did for Dungeons and Dragons isn't in a product. It isn't in a. Um, you know, it isn't in a magazine. It isn't anything like that. It's the time we dropped a 30-foot version of the idol of, uh, from, the, from the player's handbook cover on a stage at PAX, right? <laughs> and the video of that still exists on the internet. It is, you know, it's, it's Acquisitions Inc. Idol Drop. You can look for it. And, you know, I took that and I just said, well, let's just do it. We had Matt Smith make it. And it, it was the greatest moment to see that thing 30 feet tall. Wow. And uh, so, you know, we've helped Wizards since then with well, lots of and, other things. And, and by the way, that's a, that's a great segue. So, uh, you know, we have just a few minutes left. Uh, sure. what, what do you want to tell us about your life since then? And, and what, you're, what are you doing these days? What, what, well, what so is look, Mike selling her in 2020, yeah. uh, aside from social distancing? Uh, you know, it's not that much different than my regular job. Uh, so... Uh, I uh, I own a company called Lone Shark Games. Uh, it is uh, the publishers <coughs> of things like The Maze of Games, Apocrypha. Um, we made the uh, Pathfinder Adventure card game. We we uh, helped bring back Betrayal at House on the Hill. We did all the things that uh, you can go to our site. We have a massive sale going called our Save Our Sanity sale. Um, so if you go to LoneSharkGames.com and click on the store, the shop link, uh, you can get all of our stuff at 50% off or more because we know these are tough times for people and we want people to have our games, which are really good solo games uh, and things like that. So you can get the ninth what, world. What's your, what are your top sellers? Top sellers are the maze of games, which is a uh, puzzle novel. Um, uh, uh, there's um, Apocrypha, which is our horror game. That's the follow up to the Pathfinder adventure card game, the ninth world, which is a game I did with Monty cook. Uh, so he and I kept working together after that. Mm -hmm that time nice. on DD. uh and then thorn watch which is uh something we did with penny arcade uh and uh and so yeah you can get all those games for more than 50 percent off uh because we really want to get them in people's hands while this is a tough time for folks uh, the other thing we're doing is that we just recently um 
regained the rights to a game we put out 10 years ago called Lords of Vegas, which you mentioned. Lords of Vegas. I love that game. I love that game. I played it twice this year. Uh, It's a great game. You and James did that, right? That's right. So James and I did it. We did it through Mayfair and eventually made its way into Asmodee's hands. We just got uh, rights to it back. We're doing a Kickstarter starting Tuesday uh, called the Lords of Vegas 10th Anniversary Underworld and Boss Bundle Campaign. Uh, you can find oh, it's gonna have all- like expansions, like yeah, new brand stuff new expansion, oh, uh, brand wow. new expansion called Underworld, uh, which awesome. introduces mobsters to the game, which is gonna be great. Uh, and um, uh, we're gonna do that. Uh, you can go to loansharkgames.com/slash Vegas and sign up for to be notified when the campaign goes live and if you want to nice, see the game nice. if you've never heard of it uh but you think it sounds cool because peter and i like it um go back uh, a couple weeks in the gen con tv vault and you can see uh us playing it live on camera with um and, and it's, it's <coughs> um, uh, uh what's the name of the show that we're on after dark uh uh, we're on the show. No, no, no. We're on Gen Con TV. This is Fireside with Peter Atkins. No, 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 no. Sorry, the show we did it on. Game night. Know. Thank you. Game <laughs> night. That's the words I was looking for. Yes, game night. So go know. watch the game night broadcast of that. Yes, it says of a voice just appeared in my ear. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's on Gen Con video. Gen Con video. And, okay. On, on YouTube. Yeah, yes. that's the channel. Yeah. And so it's great. It was a very fun game. Um and uh and so but you, you know like, you know what I I just gotta say you know you know what I love one thing I love about that game Lord uh, Lord Hold of Vegas say your thing yeah yeah, yeah. what's that huh? say your what? thing I'm gonna get a copy of it. you're not gonna go to the bathroom are you no 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 I'm just gonna show a picture of it. <laughs> oh yeah yeah so, okay so so the thing I love about this game is that in true Vegas style it actually in at moments in the game the right decision is to go gamble. Right, which I mean, okay. I mean that that and and first of all, a brilliant stroke of genius, or uh, whether that was intentional or, or accident. Let's say intentional. I'm sure uh, to design a game that has these moments where, like, oh, you know what's the best thing to do right now is to go gamble. Yeah, right. and and even though the odds are against me winning, it's the right thing to do in this that's moment. Right. Well, and I think awesome. that's true about life. I think that you know <laughs> sometimes you just got to go gamble. Sometimes you got to go to Vegas, baby. That's right. So we're really excited about this, bringing it back. Um, you'll be able to get it again. Most people haven't been able to get it, haven't been able to get the up expansion. Uh, and our <clears> new <throat> expansion, which we're going to fund through this campaign. Uh, so again, go to LoneSharkGames.com slash Vegas. Yep. And you can sign up and we would love to have you because it's going to be great. Great, great. Whoa. Thank you, Mike. I hope you enjoyed today's new episode of Fireside with Peter Adkison. If you want to catch the show live, be sure to tune in every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv backslash TV. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date on all the Fireside podcast happenings. We will be back every Monday with a classic episode of Fireside covering the history of Magic the Gathering and every Friday with a new episode of Fireside Dungeons and Dragons. Again, I've been Marcus from Gen Con TV. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you soon.